If you can hear me, come on back in. Happy Mother's Day. To everybody here who is a mom, I want to take a moment just to um, honor you. Momming is a high calling and a life, um, a world-changing responsibility. Um, the seasons and the demands of momming change, but once you're a mom, you're always a mom, right? So this sermon is for any mom in any season, but also any woman, because it's not just moms who've actually like birthed a child who function in momming roles in people's lives. There's a lot of women who pour into and invest in the lives of kids and in people and care for people on many different levels and express the mother heart of God. So we honor you this morning too and say thank you. If you guys want to just take a minute, if you're sitting next to a mom of any, any age, any season, say thank you. You are amazing. Um, and then also for men, it's not, it's not Father's Day, but this message is for you also. Um, if you have an ear to hear what God is saying, he's going to speak to your heart. And that's my prayer this morning is that everybody listening will be able to hear something that God wants to speak to you. So to start off this morning, I want to show you a short video clip in honor of all the moms and women here. I don't know if you have all seen that before, but John and I laughed about it for a second, and then he was like, wait a second, I lock the doors. <laughs> I was like, yes, you do, and you do it so well until I let the dog out and then relock the doors. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, read to you a list. I, I posted on Facebook as I was preparing for this sermon, and I asked people to give me some um, word descriptions of the job of a mom or a woman. So I'm going to read that to you. 
We don't have all day, so I'll try to read it quick. Caregiver, provider, nurturer, everything and anything, all, defender, protector, cheerleader, gift, taxi driver, chauffeur, attitude adjuster, manager, liberator, teacher, advocate, plumber, launderer, diaper changer, dishwasher, maid, nurse, peacemaker, peacekeeper, giver, helper, fighter, administrator, generation changer, boo-boo kisser, coffee maker, lighthouse, stabilizer, intercessor, encourager, supporter, mentor, sorrow carrier, saint, referee, servant, investigator, superwoman, finder. Anybody have like mommy eyes in this room? Where like everybody else is like, I can't find it. You're like, just use your mommy eyes. They still can't find it until the mommy eyes come in. Anyways, researcher, listener, counselor, advisor, underrated, glue, investor, never-ending story, the heart, selfless, wears many hats, psychiatrist, stylist, bather, comforter, tutor, mediator, scheduler, visionary, evangelist, destiny believer, encourager, defender, lover, prayer warrior, chef, baker, listener, healer, provider, forgiver, fort builder, world changer, leader, wise, question asker, question answerer, detective, jack of all trades, best friend, coach, mind reader, strong, song singer, beautiful, grocery shopper, party planner, accountant, hard worker, and haven, and the list could probably go on and on depending on who I ask. Some of these are common among all women, and some of them are unique based on your job functions and the rules that you fill, and even probably the countries that you live in. But I think that the overall conclusion is clear that God has made us to be amazing cre creations. You have, you're capable, productive, incredible, and you flow with the mother heart of God. Oftentimes, it's easy to get caught up in the everyday things that we do, right? So there's this list of responsibilities and jobs that we fulfill on a daily basis. And sometimes those can be exhausting and all-consuming. But what I want to talk to you about today is not necessarily the list of the things that we do all the time to keep people in our lives alive, but um, the heart that we do it with, the way that we function. And I see that the heart of God flows out of the very core of who we are as we function in life doing the things that we do. We don't just perform jobs. So I just listed a whole bunch of jobs, and in there were also some characteristics of the nature of God. But oftentimes when I see women and men functioning in the things that they do, I see that you're loving, that you're caring, that you're compassionate, that you fight for and pursue, that you forgive, you encourage, you teach, you gently guide, you pour into, you provide. There's a whole list of characteristics from the heart of God that he's put in you that go beyond just the jobs that you perform and are deep in this inside of our hearts. So that's my first point this morning, is that you are made with God's nature. I don't know if anybody's ever heard anybody refer to God as Mother God. I, I don't think I have, and it's probably pretty rare. We hear oftentimes God referred to as Father God, right? But as I look at the women in our lives, or the moms, and we see all of these things flowing out of them, Genesis says that we are made in his image. If he's made us in his image, then that can only conclude one thing, that in his heart is a mother heart of God that he's put inside of us. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over, or be responsible for, the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and all the wild animals, 
and over all the creatures that move along the ground. The message says, let us make human beings in our nature. Let them reflect our, pers our spiritual personality and our moral likeness. He has made us to reflect and reveal his nature. He's put the very mother heart of God inside of you. And for men here, the father heart of God. But because it's Mother's Day, I'm just going to keep going with that thing. And when I say that, please know, women, mothers, whoever you are, apply that to what's going on in your heart. So what does it mean for us to be made in his, in his nature? When you think about something that's made in its nature, there's something in them that causes them to behave a certain way. Oftentimes we say we just can't help it. Being created in God's nature means that we are created with the very characteristics or behaviors that are intrinsic to God himself. Intrinsic means that are essential, core, key, and central. He made us to be creative and kind, intelligent, compassionate, merciful, self-controlled, relentless in pursuing relationship, self-sacrificing, forgiving. I mean, we could really go on and on about the nature of God. And it's incredible to me to think about that he made us in his image, and that's the nature he put inside of your heart for you to flow out of and to function in. One of the other things that it says is it's in their nature usually means that it's something instinctual, possibly subconscious, that, I love this part, that cannot be repressed without ill side effects. So it's crazy that he's made us to, to function in that way, and if we repress those parts of our hearts, or we, we repress the way that he's made us, the expression of himself through our personalities and through our giftings and through the nature that he's put in us, we have negative side effects in our lives. We experience purposelessness, regret, no peace, no joy, anger, lack of fulfillment. We feel weak or hopeless. And you can fill in the blank, really, with whatever it is that in the midst of your everyday life, we have that feeling inside of us that's not fill, filled with life and filled with God's nature. If an animal ignores its instincts, so I asked John for a, a, good, a good example of an animal instinct, and he said deer. So deer, God has put into deer the instinct to smell upwind before they enter into an, a new area. If they ignore that instinct, especially during hunting season, my freezer gets filled. So, well, not necessarily. He's just a really good hunter. But if you ignore that instinct, if deer ignore that instinct, they're go it's going to lead to a negative side effect. And it's really easy for us oftentimes to see that in animals because it's, they're so quick to, re to react in their instinct. Um, birds fly south for the winter and they fly in formation. What happens if you see a raccoon like roaming around in the middle of the day? Everybody's like, call animal control, there's rabies. Um, so it's easy for us to see the instincts that God has put into animals and sometimes it's easy for us to hide the negative side effects that come from when we are not functioning in his nature. So what is it if we are created in his nature, and that's what really is the function that he's made you to live out of, why is it that we don't have all these godlike people in relationships with each other? Why aren't our families perfect? Why don't our kids obey all the time? Why do we make bad decisions? Why are we selfish? Um, because of part of the, the nature of God that he's put in us is that we have the ability to make choices, right? So choices affect the way that we live. 
Today we still bear the image of God, but we also bear the scars of sin and the struggles of an unsurrendered heart. So that's actually my second point that I want to talk to you guys about, is sinful choices and an unsurrendered heart equal a broken nature or a sin nature. So we experience those negative side effects in life when we lose sight of who we were created to be in the midst of all that we're doing. We see it everywhere, right? It's pretty easy if we look around. We can see it in our own hearts, in our own relationships, in our families, in our churches, in our schools, in our communities, our country, and ultimately around the world. When Adam and Eve chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin and struggle was introduced, right? So God made us in his, with his nature. He made us in his image. And then choices came in, and sin nature is introduced. And now we, get, we see the negative side effects in our lives. If you guys just take a second and consider your daily, daily activities and how you feel in the inside of your heart. So we can oftentimes feel successful by getting the list of stuff done. But if you consider for a second the health of the inner core of you, do you feel like you are flowing in God's nature or do we feel like we're flowing in sin nature? Selfishness, unforgiveness, giving up, not being self-controlled, being angry, impatient, disconnected, dishonest, those are all things that easily flow out of our sin nature. We all have our own stuff, but ultimately, we also have the freedom and the ability to choose and to change. It's super easy for us to blame our sin nature on the stuff around us, right? So part of growing up is taking responsibility for our own lives, and when we see our sin nature coming out, my first reaction usually is to blame or to try to figure out where that came from, and it's not usually because I made a bad decision. It's easy to blame other things. It's easy to blame our past, maybe things that have been done to us. It's easy to blame the people that we're in relationship with. It's easy, easy to blame our kids or circumstances. But ultimately, we are the ones responsible to choose who we are going to align ourselves with every single day in every single moment. In order to function in our intended nature and to flow out of a place of life at the core of us, we get to take responsibility and to do something about it. And this is where I feel like it gets really good again. So the good news, right, is that we don't have to stay living in our sinful nature. We don't have to stay in that place. We can look at our life and go, you know what, there's areas of stresses. There are circumstances. There are things going on that I don't like. I don't like the way I am. I don't like the way I'm behaving. I don't like the way that things are going in my family, in my life. And we have the opportunity and the responsibility to be able to choose. And that's what brings me to my next point. Through the life of Jesus, his death and his resurrection, we now have complete access again to his heart. The heart that put it inside of you contains everything that you need. And we have free access to his heart again. Choosing Jesus and a surrendered heart equals a healed nature. And doesn't that just like sound so nice? Like it's an easy math equation. Like I loved math. I wasn't always good at it, but I loved it because if you did the equation the proper way, you'd get the right answer. And if you didn't, then you could kind of trace it back to like, where did I make that mistake? It seems like a really easy equation, right? To choose Jesus, 
to surrender your heart, and then you have a healed nature. But it's not always as easy. It's simple, but it's not easy, right? But if we choose to surrender our hearts and abide in him, he puts to death that sinful nature and brings alive his nature. It's an incredible exchange. And what I love is that it can happen in an instant. He did it on the cross, and when you accept Jesus into your heart and you surrender your life to him, it's an amazing exchange. But what I love is that it enters into every single day of our life. It was not just a one-time thing. We can go to him in every moment, in those moments of frustration, with your kids, with your jobs, with your relationship, in your marriages. It doesn't matter what it is. You can actually go to him again and surrender your heart in that moment and say, God, what is the nature that I am missing in this right now? Who do you want to show me that you are? Who do you want me to be, and how can I function in this in a way that's going to reveal and reflect your nature? <clears throat> and while I know it's not easy, it is possible. And that is actually the journey of our life right now. Aside from the things that all, we do, all of the things that we do, uh, kingdom, in the kingdom, success is measured differently than it is in the world. So if you look around you and um, you were to, to look at a person and judge if they're successful or not, oftentimes we look at material things, right? We look at uh, money, cars, houses. We look at their family. We measure successes by accomplishments and achievements. But in God's kingdom, success is actually measured by, by something different. It's measured by being conformed into the likeness and the image of God. I just recently finished um, a life coaching course, and one of, the, one of my favorite quotes from the book was that he was talking about helping people get unstuck in their life. And often people get stuck in making decisions and trying to figure out what the next thing to do is. They don't want to miss the will of God. They don't want to step out outside of that. They just don't know what to do, and they feel like they can't move. And one of the things that he says is accomplishing your destiny is less a measure of being in the right spot at the right time than it is to draw near to God and to grow up into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And that is why we can look at situations that have not turned out the way that we want. Does anybody in here have like disappointments? You know, things that you expected to go one way and they were like not even close. You look at your marriage or your family or your kids or your occupation and if you were to measure that based on what the world says is successful, it can look like complete and utter failure. But if you measure that according to what success is in the kingdom, which is us being transformed into his likeness, into surrendering, surrendering our hearts to him, some of those biggest failures can be some of the most important and effective successes in your life. Who did you learn about, what did you learn about God in the midst of that? Who was he to you? How did that transform your heart? How did that turn a, a massive failure or a massive disappointment into a major success if we look at it in the kingdom of God? And I know that that is, it's not easy to do and it's a process, but it's a really powerful one. And if we can learn to define success differently, and if we can learn to look at our successes not as the world does, but as God does, it allows us to kind of just relax a little bit and say, okay, God, what is the process that you have me in right now? Who do you want to show me that you are? And who do you want me to be in the midst of it? The best way to do that is to start by choosing Jesus. So 1 Corinthians 15, 21 
says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. And then 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is the message version. It says, how? How do you do this? You ask, in Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be put right with God. It is in Christ, by choosing him, surrendering to him, inviting him into all of our spaces, all of our relationships, all of our frustrations, all of our dreams, all of the things that we want to do in life, all of our disappointments, inviting him in to all of those places, and then asking him, God, who do you want to be in this, and who do you want me to be? What part of your nature do you want to reveal? What part of your nature do you want to reflect? Um, one of my favorite chapters is John 15. And so the first part talks about being in Christ. Well, that leads me to ask myself, like, how do I get in Christ? So the first step is you choose Jesus. You surrender your heart, you invite him into your life, and you give him the lordship of your heart. And then there's this daily carrying out, abiding. How do I surrender and abide in Christ in a way that allows his nature to flow through me? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you look outside at the beautiful trees budding right now, I actually grabbed one from a tree before I came, and it probably won't be alive for long because I took it off of its branch, off the vine. But if we look at this, we can see obvious signs of life, right? We see green and uh, flowers and budding. And if you look really close inside, you can see that it was like liquid inside there for a little while with life flowing through it. But then if you look at this one, It's not nearly as beautiful, right? It's dry, it's dead, doesn't have any purpose. I can't tell what tree it came from. This tree had something telling it what to bud. It told it what flowers to become and what leaves it was going to bear, what kind of fruit it was going to bear. But when that one is disconnected from the trunk, from the very life source, it no longer has purpose. It no longer has life flowing through it. I literally just got it off the side of the road out of somebody's garbage. So I have to ask, we have to ask ourselves, what are we lacking? And are we lacking signs of life? Life is not going to, like, be perfect, right? We're not going to always have these, like, beautiful budding flower feelings. But is there life flowing in your heart and in your life in the midst of all the things that go on? Abiding in him doesn't make us perfect. It doesn't mean we won't be disappointed, or it doesn't, and it doesn't mean we won't suffer loss. But it does mean that you are seeking, growing, and that you are in the process and have obvious signs of life. So what are you doing to draw from the one that is the trunk of the tree? That thing that's going to give you purpose, that's going to give you vision? When I think about mothers, like when you're in the little stage, there's no question about what your purpose is. It's like if you don't get up and feed those kids, they're not going to eat. If you don't keep things going, like our purpose is kind of obvious when we're in these stages of life um, that are little, or you start a new job, or something happens where it's like, this is your purpose, this is your, what you're supposed to be doing. But as seasons change, and kids aren't always going to be there demanding you to do things for them. 
And what happens when you no longer have something or somebody telling you what to do and you sort of lose your vision or you feel like you've lost your purpose? I want to encourage you to get connected to the vine because his vision, his purpose, it never goes away. There's always a life source there ready to speak vision and purpose and give you life in your heart no matter what season you're in. For me personally, what it looks like to, to connect to the vine is through worship. Everybody, I mean, because we've got different personalities and different giftings, and God expresses him through himself through us differently, that might look different for you. For me, it's worship. For you, it might be going for a walk in nature and just talking to him. It might be talking with a friend. It might be, I don't know, hunting. There's lots of different ways for us to get connected. But in the, the different methods, we need to be seeking his heart. God, what do you have that you need to pour into me today? Oftentimes, um, you know, I'll be laying in bed at night. This, I am in the momming season, and I'm out of the tiny stage, and I'm kind of in this, like, in little middle stage. But there are so many times where it's easy to just, like, fall into bed exhausted. Not just tired, but, like, exhausted. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do this tomorrow. And a lot of times I'll get out of bed, I'll go to the changing room because nobody sleeps in there, and put on worship, and I'm just like, God, I don't have what it takes. Like, I literally... I can go through the motions, but I don't have what it takes to invest in the people that you've put in my life that you want me to invest in, and I need you. And what that looks like for me is like dumping out my cares, my concerns, and the stresses, and fixing my eyes on him and saying, I need your perspective. And then worship. From, like every time I worship, it's like the presence of God literally warms from the inside my heart that enables me to then flow out again no matter what's been going on, maybe I'm struggling with disappointment or needing to forgive or just not knowing what to do in a situation, needing wisdom. But I want to just challenge you guys to think for a minute and really what is it that, that you can do to draw from that life source that he has? Okay. So he's made us in his image. We have the nature of Christ through choices and sin we then can actually function not in his nature, right? But then we have the choice to surrender our hearts again, to go back to the one who's given us free access and full access to his nature that enables us to then flow out of that. And I just wanted to touch on three, um, three core characteristics that I pulled from seeing moms and how the, how the way that moms function that are in the heart of God. And the first one is being a fighter. How many of you guys have fought for something before? Um, we fight for peace. We fight sickness. We fight for truth. We fight to get in shape. We fight for our marriage. We fight to have uninterrupted conversations. We fight for justice. We fight for connection. We fight to feed them, to make them eat. Sometimes we fight for our kids to succeed and to give them every opportunity. We're constantly fighting for the best. And oftentimes, this looks like fighting for the best in other people's lives. Sometimes, it looks like fighting for our own survival. But why don't we just give up? Like if we're if they're constantly fighting, and we're constantly trying, why do, why don't we just throw in the towel and go? You know what? This is just too much. I'm just not going to do it. We don't do that because God has put it in our nature, because it's in His nature. He is a fighter. Hosea 11:1 1 says, "When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called him my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me." Toddler parenting summed up right there right? The more they were called, the more they went away from me. Sometimes it feels like the harder we try, the worse it gets. But the fighting heart says, Jeremiah 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. Or the message says, God told them, I will never quit loving you. Sorry, I've never quit loving you, and I never will. Expect love, love, and more love. Over and over again, he draws us back because of his loving kindness, because he brings us close to his heart. And so if you are feeling this morning like you're losing your fight, like you're just tired, go back to the one who is the best fighter. He's the strongest fighter. He has what it takes to get you to that next step that you need. He can put back in you the strength that you need for that very next battle. It doesn't matter what you're fighting for. It could be that you're fighting for health. It could be that you're fighting for connection. It could be that you're fighting to see your children enter into what you know that God has called them to do. Whatever it is, he is the best, the strongest, and the most determined fighter, and he can put back into your mother's heart or your father's heart or your whatever heart the fight that you need to continue in the battle. The next one is a forgiver. Moms are all-star forgivers, right? Our mother's hearts quickly forgive in the little years. I mean, they're learning to listen and obey. There's just this kind of understanding, like they're going to make mistakes. They're going to make huge messes, lots of messes, like gross ones. I'll just tell you a really quick mom story. So I was getting ready for company, and I was trying to get my upstairs clean, vacuumed, all the beds changed. And this was before I had Jillian. It was one of my, th one of my first three. I won't name any names. Two of them were at school. And I'm up there cleaning. And, you know, we give them little jobs to keep them busy, to make them feel like they're helping. Well, we're all good. And then I start smelling something. And I'm like, what in the world? So I go in, and she had um, helped me change her diaper by taking it off, which literally got it, like, on all parts of her body. I don't know how, but it did. And put it in her crib. Because, you know, I had taught them that diapers go in the cribs. No. I don't know why she thought that she should put it in her crib, but it was not just setting nicely in her crib. It was like, we're going to have to clean this entire room type of thing. So I put her in the bathtub, and thankfully I didn't, like, freak out at her. <laughs> Inside, I was like, I do not have time for this. This is so gross. How am I going to do this without getting it all over me? How in the world did she get it on her? How is it even over there? Like, you know, you're in the middle of something, and now you have to stop and do something completely different, and it's just like, that's disgusting. So I'm cleaning and getting it done, and she's in the bathtub singing, your love never fails, not never, because she couldn't say the Vs. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. And she's like, and on and on and on and on and on and on. I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you, I hear you, okay? You know, like, just in that moment, it was something so silly, but exhausting, right, frustrating. And it's like this little exchange happens where my heart changes, and it's easy to forgive, a little poopy two-year-old, right? But what happens when those things affect us more? What happens when it's so deep in our heart that it feels like it actually changes who we are? What happens when it's an ongoing thing and you can't see the end of it? When it's somebody else and trust is broken? Well, there are countless stories in the Bible of God's forgiveness. There are countless stories in this room of God's forgiveness. One of the most powerful is from Luke 23 when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. God is familiar with forgiveness. Um, we're gonna show, I'm going to show a video clip from the movie The Shack. And um, the older gentleman is representing God, and the younger one 
is um, struggling to forgive the man who kidnapped and murdered his daughter. So as we watch this, I just want you to hear what um, the heart of God is that comes through this guy. I love the line in there that says, the pain inside is devouring you. It's robbing you of joy and crippling your capacity to love. You're not stuck because you can't. You're stuck because you won't. So it makes us ask ourselves, is there any unforgiveness in our hearts that's devouring us inside, that's crippling our capacity to love and robbing us of joy? I know that it's not an easy subject and that it's not just a quick fix that the process is exactly that, it's a process. And that the pain doesn't necessarily just go away in an instant. 
and it doesn't mean that everything is just fine. But we might have to do it a thousand times. But you don't have to do it alone. And that's the part that I want to just like hit on with you, is that you are not left alone to do these hard things that his nature has put inside of you. He is there to walk with you. It's in his nature, and so in Christ, it's in ours too. The third one is that God is a giver. Women, mothers, we are givers, right? From the very first moment of pregnancy, like you can ask any pregnant woman, like, is your body your own? Like, they gave their body. Is your body, actually, don't ask any pregnant woman. Ask somebody who's like two years out in recovery. Be like, is your body your own? Nope, don't do that either. Just trust me. If you ever had a baby, you know that the second you get pregnant, your body is not your own. Your time is not your own. You start giving of yourself. And this is not just for moms. I see women and I see people functioning in this all the time. Generosity, constantly giving, constantly pouring out for helping other people. We could be here all day listing all of the ways that you all give in different ways. If you're feeling empty, feeling like you don't have anything left to give, who do we go to? It's in our nature to give. God gave us the ultimate sacrifice, but he didn't just give one thing once. He gives every single day. He gives in every single moment that we need it. I want to read one of my, another one of my favorite verses, 2 Peter 1.3. I'm going to read it from the message this time. It says, Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. It's the best invitation we've ever received. He gives us everything we need for life and godliness. I know that those needs change depending on the season. For some, you need grace. For some, it's joy. For some, it's wisdom. For some, it's provision. For some, it's healing. For strength or for comfort, some, it's motivation. For some, it's a plan. You need to know what to do next. And we've all heard the phrase that you can't give what you, yeah, you can't give what you don't have. So if you don't have, and you're in the place of needing to give, we go back to the nature of God. It's in us because he put it in there. We get to choose if we want to let it flow through us, and ultimately we get it back from him. He's given us complete access to his heart. Mothering is a high privilege. It's a high calling. Living, really, living in Christ is. It's a privilege that we even have the opportunity to know the one who can flow through us. There are so many people who are lost, who don't even have the opportunity to get that life flow back into them. But we have that opportunity. We get to choose to surrender. We get to choose to abide in him. We get to choose to invite him into those places and to let him flow through us and in us. So I just want to um, end this morning with if just asking you if there's anything in any of what I said that you're like, God, that just resonated in my heart. I need you to breathe fresh life into me. I need to surrender to you. Maybe you're just like in the place where you're like, nope, I'm not going to surrender that area. I don't trust you. I don't feel like I can, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And so it's just too hard. Or maybe you're feeling completely lifeless, like the branch that's been cut off, cut off from the trunk and you need purpose. You need him to tell you what to do next and who you're going to be. Or maybe you just need him to reveal himself to you so you can reflect him. Whatever it is, I just want to invite you 
to um, just close your eyes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us because I'm included in this. I mean, every single day we're in this journey of being formed into his image together. God, we come to you right now, and I thank you for the privilege that it is to be and to have the ability to walk in relationship with the one who's created us in his nature. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to choose, ultimately to choose to surrender our hearts and our life to you so that you can flow in, that you can pour your life in afresh. I pray for those this morning who are feeling weak, who are feeling tired, who've lost their fight. Maybe they're, they're struggling with unforgiveness or feeling like they just don't have enough to give and to do what, they've, what you've called them to do. I pray that you would give them uh, strategy and motivation to pursue you with their whole heart, to reconnect to the vine. I pray that you would help us to enter in every single day, even into the littlest decisions, and say, God, who do you want to be in this? Who are you in me, and who do you want me to be? I thank you, Jesus, that you are faithful. God, that you don't leave us on our own. And I pray that you would give them fresh anointing and fresh grace this morning for us to walk out in the image of God who you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. Happy Mother's Day.